0: owl
1: nation you are now listening to the owl chat podcast your one-stop shop for everything kennesaw state athletics with your hosts kai malet and john Finer.
2: And welcome back to the Owl Chat Podcast. We are here with our late night edition of our post game show to recap the Owls' 79-76 overtime win over the UNC Asheville Bulldogs, the defending Big South champions. I am here joined in studio, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer from KSUOwlHowl.com, former Owls big man Aaron Anderson, producer Nick Masseroni, and our social media man, Mr. Tim Desmond. Fellas, how are we doing tonight?
0: Man, I am doing great, and I want to open this up with a terrible joke so i'm going to bomb right here but i'm going to put it out there hey kai what do you say right after jamel king blocks a shot and sends a seven footer sprawling to the ground
2: i don't know john what do you say pember
0: Ugh. nothing about that one oh come know. on you guys know Classic. you enjoyed it Classic. but i am but i'm doing great man that was a big win um, Balls the approach down the stretch we'll talk about it. Um, my initial thoughts were you know coming out of the convocation center man and and just the chatter you know how you hear people talking when you're walking to your car or whatnot you know the buzz of the game I heard like oh man, that's like the best game I've ever been to you know that was kind of the vibes and I'm gonna swing this over to Mr Aaron Anderson who uh, could not watch it live and knew the score and what happened before he could watch it and he yes. was not happy about that.
3: Yeah, no. And John is texting me about the game and saying it was it was one for the books and it was a a mid major classic and instant classic and and he wouldn't give me any details on it. He's like, you got to watch it. I'm like, John, are you gonna make me go to Twitter and, and look there? And and he finally broke down and, and told me what to look for and and told me the insight. But it's a, it's a it's a great day. It was a great game to watch, and we can't complain being six and three
0: no not absolutely all, not, not. and you know also want to get uh producer nick's initial thoughts you know he was there as well working the sidelines doing his uh owl stuff seeing you know which uh scrappy is in the nest and all that fun jazz on the sidelines
1: i mean we did have a, a hell of a contestant at the uh the early second half mark who uh drained a half court shot so uh it was just buckets yesterday but no um for the crowd that showed up, which was a little lighter than I had expected, um, there was definitely some good energy in that arena, and those players really put on a hell of a show. that was, yeah. that was a lot of fun.
2: Nick, what did the uh, the guy win who hit the half court shot? Please tell me it wasn't one of those twenty dollar gift cards to one of the restaurants, Tin Lizzies or whatever.
1: It was a KSU prize pack, and which went includes in
0: yes, we're listening.
1: A hat. Okay. And then whatever else was put inside of the hat, <laughs> <laughs> man,
2: do you, we got to do better, man. I, I,
1: I, uh, yeah. I mean, someone was even, cause I had, it's so funny that you asked me two or three other people asked me who were all over at the uh, scoring table. So they, they were asking me afterwards, Hey, what did that guy win? Like that, that seemed like a a big thing. I was like, I'm like, yeah, it kind of was, it was impressive. Um, He got a KSU prize pack. So people are like maybe it was like a, a, a potential to win a car so i'm like no no not not that big
0: you, you, you should do the old trick and tell them hey you're gonna this is for a toyota and when they hit the shot you say here bring out a toy of yoda and give it to them mm. you know the old okie doke how about a uh, dinner with milton <laughs> oh, that oh, yeah. would be that would be it. That would be tremendous. I'd love that, but yeah, the prize pack seems like just I mean, going to like a birthday party when you're a kid and you get the little goodie bag, and you're like, Oh, it's a hat and a KSU pen and a koozie. Oh, this sucks. Mm. Um, you know, people want money, just give them a $50 mm. gift card so they could buy something. I don't yeah. know.
2: So, just you know, back to the atmosphere, um, even though it was the smallest crowd of the year by a good bit, it was probably you know, seven, 800 people less than uh showed up to the Kaiser game. I think that game hit like 2000. Um This one, upper levels were closed. I think it was like 1200 was the final post number. But even though um the total was small, I felt like it was the most the crowd had been into it all year. So it kind of made up for it. I don't know if y'all felt that way too. Well, oh, absolutely. Especially,
1: yeah, I was going to say, especially at the end, you can see everyone jumping. It, it looked, eerily similar to how the camera shots were towards the end of the season inside the convocation center. When you're hitting big shots and people are throwing their arms up and getting in the way of the court, mm. <laughs> seeing that makes me happy because it means yeah. that there's people and that they're engaged.
0: So yeah. I was getting hype. Um, a little nugget for you, for you listeners. If you go back and rewatch the recording on ESPN, with coach Petway is being interviewed by Lauren Hoffman after the game, you could see me in my black hoodie in the background yelling like a madman in the distance, trying to see if I could get picked up on the audio of the camera. Uh, The audio man did a good job. I don't think you could hear me too well, but you can definitely see me uh, screaming like I just escaped from an insane asylum. And it is awesome yelling like go owls and making like random screeching noises. I loved it. I had so much fun.
2: Hey, I mean, for those who haven't seen John's face and weren't around for our brief YouTube days, there you go. (laughs) And that was your But anyways, unless y'all have anything else to add on the atmosphere, we'll talk about the game itself.
0: No, Kai, I mean, you were you were courtside. What was it like down there?
2: Uh, I was. Uh, same as usual. Um, I think we figured out who runs a few of the anonymous Twitter accounts on KSU Twitter. Uh, you know, won't go too in detail with that, but hope you're listening, um, sphere man. Um, but anyways, yeah, no, it was uh, – it, it felt uh, electric, um, especially towards the end. It felt like a – really, really good game of mid-major basketball. Asheville looked like a really good team um down on the court. It looked very even. Um, especially with, you know, Pember being on the court. It was clear that he was the most talented player on the court. Um, you know, it seemed like he was battling some sort of illness um heading into the game and they, you know, kept it slow with him. Early on, he, uh, I think, only played like nine minutes in the first half. Um, Then the second half, they're like, okay, it's a close game. Let's throw him back out there. And you could tell that he was just, you know, head and shoulders above everybody out there, Um, literally. I mean, the guy was the tallest player on the court by a good three inches. So, um, yeah. But just to summarize the game itself for those who didn't get the chance to watch it for whatever reason, um, we started out slow. I think at one point it was 17-9. to Um, You know, we couldn't get anything to fall. And then we get back into it uh, take control late in the first half. I think we go to the half and the score is 36 to 30, um, which is the lowest point total we've allowed to a D one opponent all year in a half. Um, and then we extend our lead. And at one point we're up by uh, double digits and feeling pretty good. Asheville comes roaring back. Um, at one point, take the lead. I think they go up. I think it was 64 to 65. Um, when they took the lead, we hit one at the line. I think it was Adam McCoya who at the front end of the one and one
0: um, might have to fact check that. Pretty but sure it was Burden that hit the front end of a one and one, and then he I, missed the second.
2: I think you're right because Burden missed like I think Burden was like one of four, and I think he finished with two makes. Um, but yeah, so that happens. Um, it comes down to one final shot for us. I think there was like 28 seconds, um, or there's like an eight second difference between the game clock and shot clock. Um, so we couldn't hold for the last shot, but um, we did have one last opportunity. Uh, Jamel King misses a three, Asheville gets the rebound, they throw it ahead to. Pember on the other side of the court, and you know, we're all thinking it's over. And then Jamel King uh comes flying in out of nowhere, blocks the shot off the backboard, defensive play of the year. Um, one of the greatest, you know, end-of-game plays I've ever seen in person, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, we go to OT at 65-65. Um, it's back and forth through the first couple of minutes. Um, owls build up, I think, a little lead. I think they were up by three at one point. Um, then Asheville ties the game, 76-76. Um, And this time it looks like we're actually going to get a chance at the last look. Um, I think it was Jamel King again misses uh, a three. Maybe it was – I know I think it was Adam McCoy who missed a three um, with less than 10 seconds to go. Um, Asheville gets the rebound. um, Ball gets poked out by Jamel King, goes off UNC Asheville. And there's 3.9 seconds left, and we're inbounding the ball from their baseline. We send in Terrell Burden, which was kind of a questionable decision to have Terrell inbound the ball, uh, but he finds Simeon Cardell. Simeon, it looks like he stumbled, but he was just trying to gain separation is what he said after the game. So I'll take his word for it and hits um, the clutchest shot of his career so far. Uh, They review it. There's 0.6 seconds left to go. Asheville can't do anything with it. Um, And we escape with a 79 to 76 victory. So about the game itself. um, I'll start with Aaron this time. Aaron, what did you think?
3: Oh, absolutely loved watching the game. It 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 wasn't the cleanest games we've ever played, uh, especially in the first half. It was a little sloppy, but um, we were playing a, a tough opponent, and we and we had some some skilled players we were playing against. Um, I think all the way down the board, we 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 played well. Um, didn't love our three point shooting outside of uh, Quincy and, and Burden. We were what two of fifteen, um, not not great. But what I did love was this is, this seems to be coming a trend with our team is our turnovers are extremely low and we, and, and we're turning the ball over 10 or less times a game, um, especially with the amount of possessions that we have throughout the course of 40 or 45 minutes. In this case, we're going to give ourselves a shot, even with the the poor three point shooting, um, not necessarily in this game, but uh, with f- poor free throw shooting in this game, uh, we're going to give ourselves a chance, especially defensively across the board. Um, it was a fun game to watch and You know, not too often are you going to play a a non-conference opponent twice in a season. Um, So having that uh, opportunity um, with with Asheville is going to be great. And I'm looking forward to playing them again and kind of seeing how we adjust playing them the second time, the second go around.
0: And, you know, um, I'm looking forward to that second meeting as well. Um, it is on Festivus for those who recognize as a holiday on December 23rd. Um, I'm actually considering making the trip I already have a hotel reservation in Asheville if I decide to go. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm really, you know, pushing this on Twitter to try and make it like a hair versus hair match, where like, if the owls win, Pember has to shave his head and cut the man bun. And if, you know, Asheville wins and Case you like Charles Stone or something has to shave his head like in the middle of the court, you know, whatever. I want to make it more interesting as a grudge match. But no, those guys, there was a chippy game. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Easy to overlook. And I think uh, Jordan Griffith or one of the announcers said Asheville returned four starters from their tournament team last year. So that's something that we can't overlook. This is a tournament team. This isn't like your run of the mill uh, squad. And I think Petway said in the post-game presser, or or at least on the court, you know, this is a team that would probably be towards the top of our conference. This is probably the caliber of team similar to like an EKU-ish that will end up playing, um, as opposed to perhaps some of the other teams, you know, that might, Georgia Southern might be one of those like bottom, you know, bottom third type of team. So I'm very optimistic here. Free throws continue to be a problem. That's bugging me. Um, You know, burdens, You know, Burden's numbers have dropped each year. He's at 58% this year, which is regression. It was 67 and 71 the last two years. He was two of seven versus Asheville. Uh, His field goal percentage drop is also huge, uh, 48 to 35%. I think it could be a combination of the new offense, maybe him trying to do too much. And, you know, also he's probably moved up from you know, young blood on the scouting reports a little bit. So there's probably a little bit more attention on him and shutting him down. But he is, you know, missing some shots, I think that he could uh really make. Um just some other observations real quick. You know, I thought we were out of rhythm to start the game. Both teams I think put together a solid 20 minutes, which makes it kind of make sense that it went to, you know, overtime uh 20 and 20. Um but yeah, the, the, the foul shooting from Kennesaw State has to get better. That's going to, you know, dick us eventually. Um, you know, we held Asheville to 27.59% uh, in the first half, which is kind of what saved us, along with them missing some free throws. So uh, Scooby-Doo man, you know, couldn't kill us too bad. But, um, you know, I hope he found, uh, hope he found Scooby, uh, Mr. Pember, uh, who looks like he lives in a van. Uh, cut that out. I'm um, just kidding. You can keep that in. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have. And, uh, you know, Kai, uh, what's your takes on the game? Yeah,
2: uh, I think other than the first, um, you know, a couple shifts of the game um, until we got to like the 12 minute mark, I thought we looked the most connected that we have all season. Uh, maybe they just came out and surprised us, surprised us. You know, um, it's probably the most even matchup we'll have in the mid-major schedule. Obviously, you've got the Florida States and the Indianas who are going to be a level above us. Um, then you got the the Presbyterians and the the USC upstates who are going to be probably a level below us um so it looked like we were a little bit surprised um as you guys both said free throw shooting continues to be um our biggest struggle um but the the good thing about that is I think that's something that's a lot easier to improve um obviously it's not so black and white we've talked about this it's kind of a hard thing to adjust to but I would rather that be the issue than you know us getting dominated in the paint on either end um yeah, uh, I thought the the rotation um, is starting to really, really solidify. Um, we saw Sherman get less minutes. Um, Ad McCoy was back in the starting lineup for a second straight night. Uh, played really, really well. I expect that he'll be there for a lot longer. Um, it's clear that um, they're leaning heavily on Ronji Gordon to be um, big on the glass and uh, do a lot of the dirty work. But, you know, this is stuff we've all said. Um, it's just starting to become clearer. And I think this was a really good uh, measuring stick for us against um, – a really, really good UNC Asheville team. And you guys talked about Pember. Um, he was the best player on the court or most talented player on the court. I think he went for 27 and 14. Um, and, you know, like we said earlier, he was held out in the first half. It looked like he was battling some illness. Um, so, yeah, uh, a win's a win. Uh, definitely glad we got the win at home. Um, I don't think the expectation should be to go in there and beat them in their building. So um, we'll see. But glad we got the uh, the front end of the home at home.
0: Yeah, and you know, I just want to say, actually, after thinking about it, um, I want to apologize for saying Pember looks like he lives in a van. That was wrong of me to say. Uh, he looks like he lives in a mystery machine. So I just want to correct the record there. Um, he's a very talented player. Um, he is. He was tremendous, great body control, can, was hitting shots with hands in his face, wasn't phasing him, He you know, he adjusted his body well. I mean, if he was had probably like 20 more pounds of muscle inside, he would be a, he would be a problem.
2: See, John, this would all be OK to say if we weren't playing him again in three weeks, you know, nah. <laughs> now, you know, somebody's going to send this to him. and It's going to piss him off more and they're going to beat us by 30.
0: Oh, I mean, if you need motivation from some idiot on the Internet to win a game, then, you know, you're not a championship team anyway. So, you know, that's my take on it.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Um tell that to uh, Kirby Smart and his fake quotes. Um, anyways, um talk a little bit about Terrell Burden, like we mentioned. He goes for the double double, shoots uh three of six from three. Um he's more willing to take that shot this year than he was last year. Um big, you know, byproduct of the new offense, we all think. Um, but we can start with Aaron again. What did you see out of Terrell Burden? Would you like, would you not like?
3: Yeah, I'll start. I'll start in the box score. I mean, so 15, 10, and five. Um, playing 38 minutes. He shot the ball well. Uh, free throws continue to be, you know, a stick. There, it's uh, he doesn't necessarily look s- so comfortable at the line. Um, you know, I I don't know if I, I'm confident it's going to get turned around. I just don't, you know, coming from me, I, a guy who shot 50 percent himself. I don't have any any advice for him, but I know once it gets in your head up there, it's going to be tough. But I think he's a mentally strong enough player um, that he he can get it turned around. Uh, one thing I did love um, late in the second half, even into yeah. overtime you can see when watching the game on on the on the stream on ESPN i mean he's such a leader on the on the court um in timeouts all the players eyes are glued on him and, and their ears are as well um i mean obviously coach petway is going to you know call the shots but but the guys trust tb out there and and just watching him play the way he does on the court um seeing the respect that he gets from the guys uh, you know in the locker room and on the bench during the game i mean that's going to go a long way so uh, the free throws are going to turn around, uh, but anytime you you get 38 minutes out of a primary ball handler, 15 points, 10 assists, um, I, I can speak for every big man in the country. Whenever your your point guard is able to put you in a spot to to score without having to put any effort in, except for putting the ball in the glass, um, that's going to make your job a lot easier, especially when you're battling uh, the likes of the big man, uh, Pember included. Um, so it, it was a it was a great game for him. Um, you know, leadership was the biggest thing that stuck out for me. I love to see him lead the team.
0: Yeah. Make, make some great points, Aaron. He's definitely a leader. Uh, There was a point at the game. uh, I'm not sure if you could see it. It was in the first half, I believe. I don't think you could see it on TV, but he was, he was passionate on the bench. Just, you could see it in his face. Like the dude's a competitor, like Like I wouldn't want to like interrupt him at that point. Like he was going to snap on somebody like something pissed him off so bad. Like you could tell he just takes his team and he takes it so personally. I love it. And also I'd like to add that he, I talked about his regressions earlier, but that wouldn't be fair to not mention where he's progressed. I think his passing has really gotten better and it's not just in the box score. You know, he's finding people, you know, with ease, just like his vision. He's just gotten more comfortable you know, just like, oh, I didn't even see, I'm watching the game, like, oh, I didn't even see he was open there. I didn't know he was going to be, like, they have, like, he's had two, at least two 10-assist games. His numbers are now 5.9 assists on the year, whereas last year was, what, like 4.1? So he's got the ball in his hands more, and I think, uh, you know, he's not turning it over um, as much as he was earlier in the year. I, I love that. And if he can just get his shooting on track, at least, you know, his field goal percentage up, I mean, I'll take it.
2: Yeah. And I uh and Aaron, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but what I'm thinking is that the less organization in the offense this year um, might actually be helping him bump up his assist numbers. Um, you know, because it's giving him more freedom, giving him more options, you know, rather than running those sets where you find a Chris Youngblood or a Spencer Rogers out on the elbow and then it's just live or die by that shot. Um it's it's like, you know, he can kind of get to the rim, kick it out to the corner, um, go download to Demond. He's got more freedom.
0: Yeah, the leash is off.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you guys both mentioned it. Like, one, he's very comfortable having his freedom out there and being able to control the offense. But I want to highlight John's point even more. One turnover, I don't think we can emphasize how important, how incredible that is. In a 45 minute game, obviously he played 30, 38 minutes. The ball is in his hands probably 75 percent of the time offensively. for 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 even a big guy out there one turnover is 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 a solid game for for a guy who has the ball in his hands as much as tb does uh one turnover is is an amazing accomplishment and that's that's not an anomaly that's that's been his game for the most part this season um so i just i can't give him enough credit for how well he's taking control of the ball and taking care of the ball and and yet this offense is no doubt um it, he's very comfortable with it and i think really everybody on our on our roster is and that's that's shown by our record and our and our points scored so far this season
2: right so then moving on to uh, demond um the thing that immediately jumps out in the box score is zero three point attempts um about time he had some really big buckets late um i thought played one of his best games of the year even though you know he's third in scoring and you know i don't want to say only had six rebounds but you know he's he's put up bigger numbers um just earlier this season so
3: um aaron once again we'll start with you um what would you see out of your fellow big yeah you you mentioned it no three-point attempts i i i'm not how how can i back my or back up what i've said in the past on this i don't hate him shooting the three ball it's just i prefer him in the paint in using his touch the way he did the way he did uh on on tuesday um and it showed in the, in the overtime period, he had a few buckets to get us going. Um, I wouldn't hate a three or two, even if he goes zero for one, every game, it's going to, it's going to have the defense pull up on or you know, go up on him a little bit closer and opens up the paint for some cutters, a a Sherman to get a backdoor cut or Adam McCoy, like he did yesterday. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, want to see him shooting out there, but a game like this was, was amazing for him out there. Um, He's not going to, Light up the box score when you look at it against against the Nashville team um, like he did on Tuesday. But but that's OK. He made a huge impact on the game offensively and defensively. And he's got the touch to go ahead and make that mid range shot and also over his left shoulder and even even, you know, doing a few moves on the block like he he has that in his back. So um, great game out of him. Um, great passer, great touch, great feel for, for the game offensively and defensively. And, uh, and yes, I, I was happy to see him, him go back in the, on the block a little bit more. Um, and I think he was a major reason why we came out with the win.
0: Yeah. And he just has a presence about him. You know, when he's in the game, you just know, like, you're going to get somebody steady. He had three blocks, um, you know, a couple big ones, actually. Um, you know, I think he had a key steal. Uh, no, that might've been Adam McCoya, but you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's steady in there. And I, you know, I, I hate to say that we're going to hate to say that we're going to lose him next year and I hate to think so far ahead, but, you know, we don't have another really, you know, heir apparent on the roster compared to, you know, losing burden's going to suck, but we have, you know, Cottle and RJ, we know what we're going to get and just transitioning in, you know, big man, uh, Makai Turner, who just signed a couple weeks ago. um I just keep he put out a picture on instagram today something like hey i just got my anesthesia done i just woke up with a big brace on his left leg so one can assume it's probably an acl injury i don't want to say that i don't have any facts but you know if he's out this year that might you know stunt his development a little bit and his growth which might make it harder for him to you know make an immediate impact next year so that's just something for our nation to kind of keep an eye on and makes me wonder you know hey are we gonna you know hit the uh, transfer portal or Co-ranks try to get a a last minute big or something like that. So just some quick thoughts. Right, Demons
2: irreplaceable on this team, and Petway even said that after. Is like, look, we probably don't win a single game so far this year without Demons' presence. Um, I do want to ask you, John. Does Ranji has one more year of
0: eligibility after this year? Correct. Yeah, I, I believe one more. Um, okay,
2: because yeah. I was going to say, you know, losing him to injury this year probably wouldn't be as bad. I mean, obviously, don't want that to happen, but it wouldn't be as bad as, um, you know just like not having a replacement for him next year. Cause you can throw Cole LaRue out there and, you know, he's not going to be great, but he can kind of hold down the paint, um, but he's gone next year. So that's definitely, you know, a point to watch. Um, One more thing. She's talking about the three point shooting. I will give him credit. He's not great, but he's a little bit better than I thought he was. Uh, he's sitting at 23%, which is not a great mark, but I think it is enough to kind of have the defense respect it. Um, and Aaron, I'm with you. I think if we can, you know, have him not shoot five or six a game, but shoot one or two a game when he gets the look um, and just kind of have that in the back of the defense's minds, I wouldn't be against him, you know, continuing to take that
0: shot.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And something, you know, that stuck out to me in the box score, we were out rebounded 52 to 39. And I think it was very apparent. It was either regulation or OT the last minute, they got like two or three offensive rebounds um, consecutively. Um, you know, we need to we need to get that rebounding ratio a little bit closer to even or at least uh, in the plus numbers there. So um, I wasn't, you know, too thrilled about that.
2: Yes. Yeah, so moving on. Um, and John, we'll start with you this time because you were able to watch the game live. Um, so talk about the Jamel King block. Um, I thought the game was over when they threw the ball ahead. to September, I was like, OK, they got the perfect look. None of our guys are back. I didn't see King initially. I was just watching the ball um what's going through your head was was it over for you or uh yeah what'd you think when uh, they threw that ball out
0: honestly I don't know it's all a blur like I thought it was over um I don't know if I saw the king block in real time or I don't know if I just saw the after effects of the king block because my first inclination was like oh my god it's over you know I put my head in the air like oh god this is going to be like Jokic. He's just going to throw it down He's going to lay it in as time expires so I can't even Feel in my mind if I actually saw it live. But I remember the reaction and looking over and seeing the replay, and it was pretty crazy. And I rewatched the game last night, and this was the first game all year that I rewatched because it was freaking nuts. And I wanted to see everything and all that kind of stuff. And, but the Jamel King play, man, I, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, like that dude has some athleticism. That's like a step or a half step above pretty much everybody else on Georgia state last game. And, you know, we're starting to see it now. And I don't know if things are just slowing down for him or, you know, he just needed some confidence or what, but we're starting to see those plays where it's like, oh my God, this kid went to Kennesaw state kind of like those type of deals. Um, he has, th- he had three blocks and I really think he had four, I, you know, watching it on the replay, it just seemed like he had like four or five, but you know, he has that timing, you know, you can't really teach that. And I think Aaron can talk a little bit more about that. You know, he can go up there with his long arms, swat the ball and not get called for the foul.
3: Yeah. The, the stat sheet is not going to do Jamel King justice in, from, from the Asheville game. Um, yeah, he's got amazing timing and I think to his credit he plays with a a level of recklessness in a positive way that that he is able to get his hand on so many different balls and and even even to give us the last possession of the game in overtime he had the deflection that that gave us the possession back without the block he still had a superb defensive game and then you throw in the sports center top 10 I think it was number six play that puts it over the top but his game if you just watch him all game long like he he played a superb level of defense, level of defense. And it's not because he was always in the right spot defensively or or he he understood the scattering report perfectly, which he may have, but just him being so active and all over the court and rebounding, stealing, deflections, blocks, hustle, defensive transition, whatever the case may be, like he really made an impact on this game. I and mean, it goes without saying, but he made an imprint on on my mind, and I think really every Kennesaw state fans mind watching him play.
0: Yeah. And coach Petway, you know, in the press conference after the game, he, he said that he took King aside a couple games ago and challenged him to make winning more winning plays. And that's why he kind of came off the bench and he's been bringing the energy, uh, ever since. Uh, but like you said, yeah, he's getting his hands on everything that ball that he got to steal, like his arms are so long. I didn't even realize he touched it. You know, like how is his arms that freaking long to even get a finger on that ball, let alone, you know, knock it off uh, Asheville. I mean, that was, that was insane. And, you know, we haven't had a player like that with, you know, I guess Stroud is as close to, you know, we can get, but before that, like maybe like a Bernard Morena, if you've been a fan, you know, 10 plus years ago, but, but that's an invaluable piece. And I just, I just love that he's an owl and he's has one more year here. So. I think Cottle said it best. He's a power
2: five athlete and you can tell. Um, there, there's a reason he ended up at West Virginia, you know, um, why things, you know, went the way they did at West Virginia is, you know, anybody's guess. Um, obviously, you know, Huggins was a tough one. He's not there anymore, but you know, he did sign uh King back in the day. Um, but yeah, one thing that was cool to hear, um, was King post game talk about how he would choose Kennesaw state any day over West Virginia in his experience. Um, so I think that was a proud moment for all, uh, involved with the program.
3: Yeah. And I'll throw one last thing out there that I, defensively he's bringing everything to the table that we could have asked for, for him offensively, he's got some room to grow. Like he, I mean, he, he missed a few, a few layups, his shot, he he knocked one down against in the Asheville game, but I think he was one for five. If I'm not mistaken, he's got plenty of room to grow offensively. And the good thing about him and our team right now is we don't necessarily need him scoring 15, 18 points a night. Like we have the the firepower and if he continues to do what he's doing defensively, he's going to play 30, 35 minutes a game and and coming off the bench playing a 35 minute game overtime or not I mean that says a ton about how much coach petway trusts him out there.
2: Right. And you can tell that shot is there. It's just not falling yet. I mean he's got so much confidence to take it. And, you know that's what he was uh marketed as coming out of high school is uh you know a stretch player who can score at all three levels and defend really well big 3 and D guy. Um but moving on um we talked about coddle a little bit. We'll move on to the next uh jaw dropping play of the night. Now, John, I'm hoping for this one, you didn't look up to the sky in dread thinking it was over. Walk me through uh, your experience watching
0: the Coddle Game winner at the end there.
2: Yeah, you could hear, I could
0: hear people around me like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Um, You know, shoot the ball or whatever. And, you know, it was an insanely difficult shot. And then it just went in. You know, I think everybody was, everyone was excited. I actually recorded it. So, you know, you can see the live reaction around me. Everyone sticking their hands in the air. I put that on uh, Twitter Um, Very happy for Simeon Cottle. Um, Also something to note, I changed my uh, Twitter handle to Jamel King fan last night. Uh, But I had, I did that because I wanted him to get the recognition he deserved doing the dirty work, the hustle, um, the hard stuff. However, after the game, it turns out he was the one that made Center and not Cottle, and he was the one getting all the love, so I sort of regret not making my profile Simeon Cottle fan, because I could have done either, and I thought Cottle was going to get all the hype and the love for hitting that shot, not King. So, you know, let's give Cottle some love right now. He made an extremely difficult shot. It was like a step-back three-pointer, and actually I think I saw Trey Young hit a similar shot tonight with uh, 14 seconds left in the game. Uh, Hawks ended up giving up another bucket and lost, but still the degree of difficulty on that shot, man, you know, again, anybody who's said that Kansas state basketball was dead or lost all our players after last year was an idiot and didn't know what they were talking about. And um, I'll stand by that.
3: Yeah. He didn't have the the most, the best, most glaring offensive stat line if you look in the box score. Uh, but, but you, you feel, you just feel confident and comfortable when he has the ball in his hands and it's, there's been a few plays now where we just have to kind of expect him to make shots like that. When he puts the shot up, you've got to feel good about it. Yeah. It may not have been the the shot we drew up, but for him, he's comfortable taking that shot. And And I'm sure his heart rate didn't change one bit when he had the ball in his hands. Like he is comfortable in that spot. Um, I, I would love to see him have a, a role a little bit differently than what we saw uh, in the Asheville game. Just, he was spotting up a lot, just kind of a spot up shooter out there. He didn't get, too much action in terms of handling the ball uh, and on a few possessions in a row. Um, I'd love to see him control the offense a little bit more, but like that's, that's just a a one bit from this game and it's, it's nothing indicative of the entire season. He's a baller out there. And and I'm, I'm really happy. We have him on our team wearing our Jersey because he's going to be somebody that, that we enjoy watching for the next few years.
2: Yeah. It felt it felt like he was due too. Um, going into that, he was zero of five from three. Finishes one of six, of course. Um, but I think it says a lot about his confidence that he was willing to take that final shot. And it's interesting because this is something that we talked about a little bit um, on the last post game show. Is like, well, you know, last play of the game, where we going to? You know, is it still burden? Um, and obviously, the scenario is a little different because you're inbounding from the baseline. You know, you're not bringing it up from the court. You don't get your usual set. Um, but they had Burton inbounding the ball and they went to Cottle and they trusted him um, and he stepped up and he hit a big one. Um, I, I, it does confuse me. And maybe Aaron, uh, you know, something I don't, you know, being the the basketball mind you are. Um, but what is the reasoning for having burden inbound the ball there?
3: Uh, decision-making. I think just looking back on, on one turnover and how much we trust him with the ball. Um, he may have, I don't know. Maybe they had something in mind for him to get the ball back or or something along those lines. I don't I don't know exactly what was going on in the huddle, but but touching on what I talked about five, 10 minutes ago, I feel comfortable with with burden having the ball. And 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 that's a pressure pack situation If any any baseline out of bounds play is going to be a tough, a tough inbound, let alone with five, four seconds on the clock um it had to probably do with trust and leadership and, and knowing that he's going to get the ball to the right person and the right team for that matter so that's probably where where the decision came from uh most likely
2: yeah and then you know the third guy who you know maybe didn't get as much recognition last night but certainly deserves it um and i'm not saying king and coddle didn't you know they they both had great moments and great games but quincy adamicoya leads us in scoring last night with 22 um and sets a career high for the second game in a row um let's talk about him uh what he's meant to this team so far um his confidence that he's developed uh he's more you know willing to drive to the bucket he's looked really good on defense he had three steals on a block last night um i think just with one foul john i think you mentioned earlier on um the midweek show that he uh he should have had two fouls but you know that's whatever um so let's talk about quincy a little bit uh you know what we'll start with you john
0: yeah they i've mentioned that to you i think off air Uh, But um, they, you know, they gave a foul to uh, Cottle in the first half with 839 left. That should have been given to Adam McCoy, who pretty much had no fouls until, you know, the second half. So, you know, if the game was different, that could have hurt us if, you know, Cottle picked up another one or something. It could have changed the entire game just by refereeing competence there. But, um, you know, Adam McCoy has been great. You know, not only can he hit the three. Um, He brings the energy after he gets a three with his little, uh, you know, bow and arrow uh, to the fans or whatnot that he does and all that. And, you know, he can also, uh, you know, slam at home, you know, off that miss uh, from DeMond and the pass from DeMond to bring the energy into the Convocation Center. So he's everything you want in like a three and D type of uh, big. So, you know, he's, I mean, I hope he comes back next year.
3: Yeah, I, I feel the same. I really hope he comes back the energy guys aren't typically major producers on the stat line and the box score. That's not the case with, with Quincy. He, he, he brings a level of energy that we we've got to appreciate just watching him, watching him live, watching him from Arizona where I'm at. He, he is an amazing player to watch. Um, And, and I get the benefit of watching the broadcast and, and they've interviewed him a few times. And, and one, one quote he said um, when they asked him about his leadership was You've got to be able to have championship habits, not only on the court, but off the court. And, and not enough is said about that. When you're trying to go back to the tournament and win another conference championship, bringing these freshmen along, going through a new coaching staff, a new regimen, bringing these same players back to the upperclassmen. Like he, he has a leadership trait about him that, that is just such a rock solid cornerstone with our, with our program. And, and not only that, but he can play that's what back to back nights where he's he's put up career highs uh, in points and and he sticks out in such a positive way on the court. I mean, he is a fun player to watch.
2: Right. Maybe it's just me um, and, you know, John, tell me if you see the same thing, but he looks a lot happier out there. Uh, He looks like he's being, you know, used in the correct way. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, were we were we mismanaging his minutes last year? You know, should if he have had a bigger role or what was going on? But uh, he looks, you know, way more happy to be out there. And that's great to see.
0: Yeah, I I think there's only so many touches to go around. And, you know, the offense is kind of built around like, you know, Chris Youngblood was a big, you know, key factor there. I'd be happy too, you know, if I played in this offense and got to put the ball up and I was a great shooter as well and got to showcase what I'm doing. And, you know, just, you know, with some of those guys leaving, you know, it opens up a kind of a leadership type of void a little bit. And Burden's, you know, obviously continuing to fill that. And then you have Adam McCoya, who's one of the big returners, and Robinson, and then Cottle is stepping up. So, you know, the returners are, you know, yeah, I I can absolutely see why he's happier. And one play that kind of stood out to me, do you guys remember the play where I think it was R.J. Johnson who was kind of blocked into Adam McCoya when he was shooting a three? Um, I want to propose a rule change to where that should have been a foul against the guy who pushed R.J. Johnson. And then it should be another foul for interfering with the shooter. So that should have been like a five shot foul.
2: Wait, Okay. so I had a rough angle on it. Um, It did look like Johnson got pushed into Adam McCoy taking the shot. I forgot. What was the call? Did they give him three free throws?
1: No, Uh, it was a a floor. It was a uh, foul on on the the floor.
0: floor. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that was the right call. Yeah. And it's still just a weird play. I think it was ball out of bounds there or was it two shots, but either, either way, you know, we didn't get the three shots and it would have been cool if we were in the bonus and they, that was actually a thing where you could get five shots and uh, something like that. You yeah, know, that's a real game changer, fellas.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you saw it, John, but I think Vermont came back from six points down in less than four seconds because of some, you know, late game shenanigans. Um, <laughs> that's a fun clip to watch if you uh, have time and want to go on Twitter later. Um, but one thing that I think we need to start monitoring is the Frank Wan Sherman, I'm not going to call it a situation, um, but his usage he was, you know, after starting, I think the first, um five or six games of the year you know he's being held to the bench role and he's not not playing a whole lot he only had four minutes tonight I think he only had um eight minutes against FIU I forgot what he had against Georgia State but he didn't start um how much of this do you guys think is a a byproduct of King's performance and Adam McCoy's performance and how much of it is uh uh, Sherman needs to I don't know prove himself more when he is out there
0: I think it's a byproduct of we have having veteran guys who are getting used to playing and having college ready bodies and more years of experience and also byproduct of Frank Juan Sherman being a freshman. And freshmen are they're gonna have their ups and downs, and you have to be patient. And you know, if we get an injury, Frank Juan will have to play and he'll have to step up and his time will come. But I'm perfectly fine with, you know, playing a more of a seven, seven point five man type of rotation. Uh Ranji Gordon was I think, fantastic yesterday. He led the team in rebounds, three blocks, a steal, made some defensive plays as well that don't show up in the box score, high energy player. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm good with it. You know, it's not like, you know, we're forcing Sherman out or something like that. He's just a, he's a kid and, you know, he's going to need to uh, grow and uh, hopefully this will motivate him and he's definitely going to play, you know, get some minutes later on in the season.
3: Yeah. It, being a freshman, we can't overstate it enough. A freshman that's, that's competing for minutes on a championship contending team. He, he's got to want to play. Of course, that's, that's the goal for every freshman, but he also understands that he's going against some, some great experienced players out there. I did notice, you know, he played his four minutes and in those four minutes, he found himself in the, in the post being back down, whether it was a post entry or, or even when he's playing on, on the perimeter and, and, and his, the offensive player just decides, hey, I'm going to back this guy down. And I don't know if that has to do with strength or just I'm going to attack the freshman. But he found himself in the post a few times. Um, and and that's something that, you know, coaches see. It's right in front of our bench. And, you know, we're going to throw in our bigger guards, our bigger forwards. And let's, let's play with more strength, especially playing against a guy like Pember out there who is he's a smart. He's a smart guy. And I know Sherman wasn't guarding. but it trickles down all the way through. So nothing, nothing for Sherman to to be upset or hang his head about, or even us as fans, he's going to get his opportunity. And and when he has this season, he's showed us what he's capable of. It's just a matter of, he's got some guys that, that are playing ahead of him that are playing really good ball right now.
0: Yeah and you know look at Ron you look at Ronji Gordon and Jamel King those guys you know might not have tons of college experience in terms of you know minutes like 8 minutes a you know per game or something like that in the past but they have years in the weight room um, you know, maybe they've prepped a year or two, redshirted. I mean, these are men, it's men versus boys at this point. Like Sherman's what? like eight, 19 years old maybe. Um, you know, we're talking Jamel King and Ranji Gordon, probably like 21, 22 at this point, something like that. That's a big difference. you know, it's not like you know, 23 versus 26, you know. Um, Frank Juan still has to develop his body, still has to do up his skill set a little bit more. Uh, which is already, I think, advanced for, you know, freshman. But yeah, um, pretty much everybody last night um, or on um, on a Tuesday got uh, matched up against Pember from even Terrell Burden from time to time. You know, everybody had to do their part one on one and try to, you know, clobber the monster. So like Aaron said, it trickles down.
2: It is interesting that they throw Armani Harris out there in the second half instead of Sherman. Um, you know, and I, I get them putting Armani Harris out there. He's always going to be the fifth best player on the court when he's playing, but you know, it's the fresh of the legs and he can hold his own on defense and he's, he's not going to turn the ball over. I mean, no disrespect to the walk-ons, but it's not like, you know, you're watching a walk-on out there. Like he looks qualified to be out there. He's just always going to be the fifth option. Um, but it's interesting that they go to Harris rather than Sherman. And I think they've done this back-to-back games. Um, so
0: yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting point. Um, I didn't even think about it like that. But again, you know, Armani Harris is a is a fifth-year player. The guy's at probably like 23 years old. And, you know, that's man strength versus boy strength. So, you know, you're looking at it that way to hold down the post. The experience that he's picked up over the years practicing against Demond Robinson and, you know, going against the games. And Aaron can speak a little bit more to this.
3: Yeah, just to put some context on it, because we as fans, we're watching and I wonder why they're putting this guy in over that guy or why is he only getting a few minutes? So a lot of most of the times the assistant coaches are the ones making most of the calls on substitutions. And and there's three or four coaches that can say, hey, I see this out there and, you know, we should we should, you know, challenge it with throwing Armani Harris out or, you know, one way or the other. It may not have been something specific like, oh, we need we need a Marnie Harris because of this over or, over Franklin Sherman. It may have just been an assistant coach saying, hey, I like I like Harris in the situation. Let's throw him out there for a possession or two. It may have worked. It may not have worked. But it it a lot of the times it's in the moment and just seeing, you know, it may not have even, uh, have even been Petway saying, Oh, this is what I want. I like this guy over that guy. He just trusts his assistants to say, OK, this is the move I want to make for this few minutes. And as fans, we don't even know what's going on half the time um, the decisions they're making on the bench. So I would be interested to see how that conversation went. But um, all in all, it's it's he's going to get his minutes over the course of the season for sure. Right. So moving on to just
2: offensive comfortability. Um, it was one of our lowering score, lowest scoring nights of the season, actually. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Aaron, we only had 10 turnovers and it seemed like things really started to take shape last night. Um, what have you guys seen uh, that's different you know, now than it was day one on the offensive side of the ball?
3: Yeah, I think we're we're respecting each possession a little bit more. I uh, I would love to see our average possession time. Um, compared to how it was the first what, 20 games of the, or excuse me, 20 days of the season. Um, we're, we're looking for different, we're looking for different options. I think, um, even in the Asheville game, we, we tried to find Demon in the post on the first possession. If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't there, but we looked for him. Um, we're respecting the ball a little bit differently. We still are a, a team that's looking to score in the first few seconds or looking to get a shot up, but there is a little bit more patience there and understanding that we value the b- time we have the ball. Um, I, I don't, I don't think our offensive game plan is changing drastically. It's just, you know, as the season goes on, we're figuring out what works and what's not working as well. Um, and, and again, that, that starts with, with Terrell burden, Terrell burden is really the, the engine of, of the team. And, and he's going to figure out the pace. He's going to figure out how to get guys in position. He's, he's obviously going to attack first and foremost, but when he gets 10 assists, guys are getting open, but. But we are slowing down a little bit, but I I don't think it's bad, not not in the least.
0: No, I, I think it's great. You know, I've been a proponent of kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, if you have the shot and you put and you can push it, and you can get something. I'm fine with you know doing that. Take the shot in four seconds if there's something there. That's a good shot. It's open. But if not, just you know kind of slow down, see what's out there, survey the land a little bit, get the ball into demand, pass it around, set some screens, do what you got to do. Um, You know, I'd rather, you know, take 20 seconds to get a halfway decent shot than jack up a bad three right
2: it also seems like we're adjusting better and maybe that's just because you know now we have to um you're not going to have to adjust against the uh the Kaisers of the world you know and then FSU goes up big early and you know that is what it is but it's like you know state throws a zone at you and it kind of throws you off and then Asheville throws a zone at you and it kind of throws you off um and it seems like that we've been able to um adjust and just change our approach really well and kind of pick the flow back up then moving on to defense um it was our best defensive game of the year in my opinion we hold them to 65 in regulation and you know outside of uh pember um they couldn't get much going abby who's supposed to be their best shooter uh, i don't think hit a shot from outside all night um fans were going at him all night too which was great you know you love to hear that um but same question i mean what have you guys seen um from day one till now in the defensive end that's looked better
0: yeah i'm seeing you know like Aaron's probably going to speak to this, but you know, the rotations are much better for the most part. Um, you know, I can see the wings are a bit more comfortable. I think I see a little bit more communication out there, you know, players talking with each other, you know, around the screens, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I'll let the basketball player talk about that.
3: Well, to, to piggyback off of your point with the rotations we're we're getting to a point now where we're a third of the way through the season or something like that, where we're, we have some in-game reps where you're getting comfortable with with the guys you're playing next to, and understanding the, understanding the chemistry, the the verbiage we're using, understanding what Coach Petway is looking for. Um, and these guys are just getting getting more comfortable playing together and and understanding the scouting report, things of that nature. Uh, I know Coach Petway in his in his halftime interview mentioned, you know, we've got to defend the pick and roll a little bit differently, um, which which I didn't see a huge issue with, especially in the second half. I know when we have Demon out there guarding the pick and roll, he is very intentional on, you can tell what he's doing, if he's going to blitz or, or hedge or double team the, the pick and roll, or if he's going to have a, uh, he's going to sag off and, and kind of ask the the guard to shoot. Um, he's very intentional out there. So we love, I love watching him defend the pick and roll. It's just a matter of, you know, as the season gets, goes on longer and longer, and we're more comfortable playing defense. It's I think our defense is only, only going to get better especially with the athletes we have out there and and they have a, a a strong desire to play on the defensive end of the ball.
0: I mean, if you think about it this way, I mean, where we are right now is probably ahead of pace of where we were in any of Amir's years. Maybe last year, I don't I don't remember, but you know, we're, we're I think we're ahead of schedule right now in terms of actually winning the games actually making winning plays these games could have easily come down to the end and you know we choke it away or something like that but you know we have some winners on the team and i think the culture is trickling down from last year
2: i mean yeah we're a heartbreaker away from being seven and two I mean, just think about that, and uh, I think it's really good that we're getting this late close game experience, you know. And uh, this is not going to be a new thing for these young guys, um, and this, you know, new group when we get into conference play, because you know, once you hit those games, and every game is going to be tight. Um, but speaking of which, I mean, you look around the conference, um, and honestly, it's not all that intimidating outside of a few teams. Um, so I, I think the uh, the ceiling is kind of, kind of still to be discovered um, this year and what this year could be.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we're peaking now, we're in trouble because there's, there's, you know, if we're peaking now, there's no room to grow up and we're, it just, it's a disaster. So, you know, right now is just, you know, hopefully we're at like an eight out of 10, seven out of 10 to where we want to get to. And then once, you know, January hits, you know, I really want to see if we can crank it up to that next level.
2: Right. But Hey, right now is not bad right now. We're beating, you know, good low major teams, which is what you want to see. Obviously you don't want to peak.
0: Um, but yeah, super, super encouraging. Absolutely. You just, oh, I'm, you know, I'm very happy with where we are just not to get it confused, but I do want to see, you know, us take another step because it would be kind of disappointing, right? If we're, you know, we're here, we're, I think we're a pretty solid team, but you know, I want to, I want a great team. I want to get back to the tournament guys. I want to make another road trip to Greensboro or whatever random ass location, the NCAA punishes us for, for being Kennesaw state. So, you know,
2: for a minute there, I thought they were gonna send us to Sacramento. So glad that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but I yeah, just, yeah, I would have thought about it. Um, but anyways, just to uh wrap this up, got a tough question, but I think we might actually end up all agreeing. Um, who is y'all's player of the game?
0: Um, Charles Stone. I mean, did you see him on the bench? He was doing his little gift thing. Um, I was like, oh, that's so Charles Stone, but no, um, I think uh I I have to give it to Jamel King. I changed my damn Twitter account in honor of Jamel King. I mean, those kind of hustle plays, you know, and, you know, I think it's contagious, right? You know, getting that win, it's going to motivate him to, you know, play hard the next time and so forth, seeing how, like, he gets recognized for it. You know, a lot of times you make plays like that and for whatever reason, you know, you don't get the win or they don't go to the, you know, the right part of the game and they get overlooked, but, you know, good for him. Other, you know, nominees, of course. Uh, Quincy Adam McCoy, Terrell Bird, and Simeon Cottle, Cop Out, Ant, and I'll even give it to uh, Ronji Gordon as well. So those are some other nominees, but I'm giving it to Jamel.
3: It's so hard to pick a player of the game. I, I'm glad that you picked Jamel King and and you gave me the opportunity to speak on somebody else because I, I also agree, Jamel King, he made such an impact on the game that that it was so easy to see. Um, but when, when you see what Quincy Adam McCoy has been doing, again, that's amazing. You did not mention Demon Robinson, who maybe, again, oh. didn't have the biggest of, of points and rebounds, but watching what he does on the floor and, and that sense of calm, I think Kai brought it up earlier. He he brings such a calm to the team. Um, I'm going to give him some credit as well, but but Jamel King, you deserve the player of the game. In my eyes, you played great. Um, it was it was a fun game to watch him doing the dirty work out there. So, so good work, Jamel.
0: It would have been more fun if you watched it live, Aaron.
3: <laughs> yeah sorry about that you
0: know responsibilities <laughs> call sometimes hey um, you know sometimes you have to quit your job to watch the owls you know that stuff happens man you know gotta <laughs> make sacrifices i'm uh i'm with you guys
2: i gotta go jamel king just because there's no way you win this game without jamel king without he did um yeah i mean you could put somebody else to take you know coddle shot you know not saying it wasn't a big shot by coddle but you know that you it, it was a big play, but it was somewhat replaceable. I don't think what Jamel King did last night was replaceable by anybody, so I got to give it to him um i do also agree with you aaron i think quincy deserves love um quincy like the rest of the team you know the ceiling is unknown right now um this is new territory for us you know this is the biggest role he's ever seen in his four-year college basketball career at two different schools um so who knows what he's going to be for us the rest of the season obviously we're all fans of um you know just giving the ball to the hot hand and there are so many good scores on this team but who's to say that he's not going to be putting up you know 15 a game from here on out um so i think as far as encouragement goes um Give me Quincy and Jamel, but also DeMond deserves his love. He had some really clutch baskets. I think he had one late in regulation and he had, I think he had one or two in OT. Um, so his, uh, his presence is, is irreplaceable.
0: Like we talked about earlier. And I'd like to apologize to Mondo for leaving him out. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he should be in uh, that discussion and I would like to throw it to producer Nick uh, for, you know, a take here, as well as uh, social media guide, Tim on uh, your takes on the player of the game.
1: First thing, I just want to say it's a good night for KSU Owls basketball when we're having the discussion and a lot of names are getting thrown out. So kudos to the players for making this difficult for us. Um, and someone who I know we talked about it earlier, just quick shout out to Terrell for 10 assists, the only one to hit double digit assists for KSU. And he was finding them in interesting ways yesterday. Those Some of those passes were, were absolute beauties, but... I'm in the Jamel King realm as well and just one more thing that I really like watching Quincy play with the emotion and I really hope he continues to play with that emotion because it is fun and he got the student section going yesterday it was it was really fun to watch him after the shots and see him
2: pointing up in the stands and everyone was giving it right back to him so Right. No, I, I agree with you. I just want to hop in before we go over to Tim, but like last year and, you know, nothing wrong with it. He just seemed like such a stoic guy. And, you know, and like this year he's hitting all these big shots and he's, he's doing the bone arrow pointing. He's yelling at guys. He goes over to Milton and daps him up over the game. And it's like, this is awesome. You know, I'm so glad we have this version of Quincy. Now I'm going to go a different angle here. I'm going to say the coaching staff, coach Petway, um, the assistant coaches. I mean, if you think about it, Drew Pember was dominating the game up till probably towards the end of the first half. And they started to, they made an adjustment. Essentially, they started to double team down low, uh, have Terrell Burden come dive in, try to slide the ball away. I mean, he, the guy had six turnovers and then also shot nine nine for 22. So obviously they made an adjustment, kind of took him out of the game. And so I want to say Petway and the coaching staff.
0: And how did Pember have no fouls? Anybody want to answer? Oh, I can that?
3: tell you. Yeah. Did you, did you see him attempting to play defense half the game? Like when they go to zone, he he didn't care to play defense. Like I, I hesitate to say that knowing we have to play them again, but, but when he's in the bottom of the zone on the wing, like back door cut him all day long. Um, yeah. He should have had a foul or two here or there, but he he's out there to play offense most mostly. He's going to block shots. Yes, he's going to be be in the paint, but he's he's focused offensively.
0: I mean, score merchant. Yeah, if you if you heard me in the crowd, I was screaming uh, that Pember's soft, uh, S A W F T. So uh, if anybody heard that, that was me. Uh, come say hey next time. But yeah, you guys are absolutely right. And uh, I think we've pretty much run through everything. Uh, Kai, do you have any other topics for us?
2: Uh, yeah, just quick side note. Um, I got to look up his name, but because I forgot. Um, but the UNC Asheville coach was at <laughs> all night. I mean, he was going at the refs, yelling at his players, um, yelling at the bench. Um, apparently, he was uh, rude to our media guys um, in pregame. So, you know, Uh, I'm all for uh, stirring up a little bit a little bit of hatred going into this next game. Um, And the way Petway was talking after the game, you know, these are guys we might see more um, in years to come. So, you know, screw it. We're two good low major teams in the same
0: region. Let's play them every year. Yeah, Mike Morrell, he was jumping. He was like so emotional on the sidelines, like he's jumping up and down, you know, like he's a player or something like that. I thought he was an assistant at first. Like I was I just wanted to scream, like, sit down, dude, or get to the end of the bench. You know what I mean? I hate when coaches are just like in the middle of the bench area and they stand up because it's so unnatural, like be at the end of the bench where you're supposed to be.
1: I guess that's where his players got it from too, because they were crying all night long too. Like there, were, I like I said this earlier when I was talking to Kai. I am shocked that there were no technical fouls. Him and I mm-hmm. said at halftime yesterday, w- someone is getting teed up, and nobody got teed up, not even the players, and that was surprising in that second half.
2: Yeah, there was and- one moment in the second half where I forgot which player it was, but I think he got you know a, a hard foul, and he's on the floor, and he just smacks the court and it was the loudest vibration i have ever felt from a basketball court it was it was memorable so
0: absolutely oh man i want to know who that is but you know i I thought Simeon Cottle would get one like he seems like he's been on the edge every game he's he's very chippy i don't know if he like just like pokes and prods at people a little bit or you know gets in there but i think we're gonna see Cottle get one eventually that's he me. does
3: it with a smile john he does it with a smile
0: <laughs> that, that's why it's like i said last time you know when he makes that basket he just runs down the court smiling kind of like andrew jones you know with that classic smile at the braves legend
2: <laughs> hey and quincy hung on the rim again he's gotta he's gotta be careful it's the second game in the road that he's uh he's kind of gotten lucky hanging on that rim after a dunk but you know as long as he keeps getting up there i'm not complaining uh, Let the no. boys
0: play. Yeah, um, so it might have been uh, McMullen that was uh, hitting the court, possibly.
2: There you go. There's your answer. All right, fellas, if we got nothing else to uh, add, I can go ahead and take us out.
3: Yeah, I
0: got nothing. Um, we got uh, Spartanburg and USC Upstate on uh, on Saturday. Um, I will be making the drive and sitting courtside. Um, USC Upstate plays in basically a high school gym. So I'm going to try and, you know, be loud and get on ESPN. So be sure to watch. I'm going to especially try to raise some shenanigans when they're at the free throw line. You're supposed to be quiet. So I guess it depends on what kind of presence Kennesaw State brings. But uh I couldn't resist it. I've been to the upstate before. They're our former A Sun rival. You know, we've played former NBA player Tori Craig was with Upstate. He had some great matchups when Aaron was there against, you know, Markeith Cummings and other KSU uh, legends back in the day. So I'm looking forward to this one. And Aaron, um, you know, what are some of the memories that you have from uh, USC Upstate? And do you remember that big guy that looked like Dirk Nowitzki?
3: Oh, oh man, I don't remember that. Do you have the name? Maybe I could.
0: It was like Schneider's. I think that was Upstate. That It was like seven, like three big, ugly dude is that upstate you know I'll, I'll get you a picture after the podcast jog your memory yeah
3: let me know the only memory i really have from them it like you mentioned it's a high school's gym it, it, capacity is like 600 people um it's they put some money into it but it you don't feel like you're playing a, a division one game um that was where i hit my one three point shot my junior season so good memory there on the baseline across the ksu bench but But uh, other than that, I think we got a few wins there my my junior year as well. We swept them. So uh, that's it for me.
0: Yeah, I think
2: that they may have put some money into that gym. I just want to say no matter how much you polish up a turd,
0: it's still a turd. (laughs) <laughs> you're very it's very true and I think I heard rumbling somewhere I could be completely wrong in making it up that they're going to get a new stadium soon or new arena soon so you know I want to enjoy this one while it's there the I think it's called the Hodge Center so
2: yeah don't want to you know take up too much time talking about the upstate gym but I I can imagine it's probably hard to you know get people to show up when you're in Spartanburg and you know there's like three other small major or low major whatever you want to call them schools like within 20 miles I mean Furman's right there Wofford's right there um i think there's one more that i'm forgetting but yeah i'm sure that's a struggle but i will also be making the drive up so if any of you guys are sickos like us and john or like me and john you know come stop by and say hi We won't be hard to find there so yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly literally all right that's that's all i got yep
2: thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back to uh, recap the upstate game on monday Thank you for listening to the Owl
1: Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at bigowlblog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, go owl!